when I look at each of my books, they're all something I went through. Welcome to Art More Than Ever. That's Corey McCarthy, an award-winning young adult author of books like The Color of Rain, Wish You Were Here, most recently a romantic comedy called Now a Major Motion Picture. Corey is pansexual and uses they and them pronouns. Their books are adventurous, character-driven, and they do not shy away from the messy complexities of being human. Corey's futuristic thriller, Breaking Sky, is in development to become a major motion picture. It's a kind of futuristic version of Top Gun, except the pilots are teenagers. And its central character is an angry young woman called Chase, who might just be a resemblance to the author in her early 20s. Here's Corey. When I look at Breaking Sky, it's very much like, well, that was me in college. And so whenever I'm writing a book and working on something, I'm really digging in. I use all of my writing as therapy, as catharsis. Are you writing for yourself at that age? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm always trying to understand what I've been through and how it serves me and how it might reach out to other people, if possible. So my very first book, uh, we joke around because it's about a prostitute in space, but it, <laughs> but um, but it was also because I went through a very abusive relationship, and I was trying to unpack the feelings that I had left over from that time period. You know, that was back um, my first year in college, and the funny thing is, is that I wrote that particular book and didn't know it was about that relationship. And I remember my editor working with me and is like, you've put in so much in this for people who go through abusive relationships. And I was like, oh, oh. (laughs) And then since that first debut book, I've done it on purpose. Um, uh, Breaking Sky, which was the book I wrote after that, was about that very, very angry period you can get into after you've been through something, that very um, self-protective period. So Chase in Breaking Sky is a very, she's trying to protect herself and she's become so walled off from everything that it's literally a story about opening back up to people after you've been hurt. When you started writing, did you know that you would be writing for young adults? No, I had no idea. I started working on a fantasy novel. I was writing the feminist answer to the Lord of the Rings in, yes, in in college. And I remember giving it to someone and they said, uh, this is young adult. Um, because, you know, the main character was 15. And I thought, what what's young adult? So I actually had to do some research on what young adult was after someone told me that's what I was writing. And I ended up getting an MFA in writing for children and young adults because it was like a light going on to realize that this was this was the age group that I wanted to write for. And it does go back to I want to write for myself at that at that time because I was very I was very lonely and sad as a teenager. And I just I love teenagers. So do you ever feel constrained by the genre? I don't actually. Um, I always tell people that my books are for. Uh, 14 to 114 year olds. I do get uncomfortable when 11 year olds pick up my books and would like to buy them because yes, because some you know, Breaking Sky is 
probably the one that's most accessible to younger audiences. Um, but oh, I think YA is for everyone. Why is YA is for anyone who wants a story that's I, I don't want to say it's fast. I want to say it's paced well. You have to have something happen in the first chapter. You have to have everything changed by the third chapter. YA is great binge reading material, you know. It's that I'm going to sit down and read a whole book kind of feeling. And I love writing it. And I love reading it. I love writing the third chapter where everything changes, you know. <laughs> so let's talk about the way that you work. Mm -hmm. um, do you start with a story in mind or is there a character? Where does it begin? I have to have two ideas to start a book. Um, sometimes I try to write a book and I have one idea and I haven't realized that it's only one. But you need a story idea and a world idea. Or, uh, I'm sorry, a, a world idea and a character idea. Okay, so you by world you mean setting, place, um, yes. environment? Yes. Okay. And a person who lives in it. Yes. And the, the world idea can also be a premise. Um, so for Breaking Sky, for example, the premise was a sort of Top Gun retelling, a very near future, recognizable one, where America is in a state of Great Depression and in a Cold War, a second Cold War situation, and that it's so bad that the youth have been militarized. And I knew I wanted that premise and I wanted that kind of Top Gun feeling. And I never would have been able to write the book if I didn't have the character. And the character came from me. It came from wanting to write an angry girl. And when I put those two together, that's when I wrote Breaking Sky. So you have a character, you have a world, you have a strong premise, mm -hmm. but you don't have a plot. No, my plots always come through the character. I particularly like stories where the plot comes from the character's choices. I don't like plot that comes in because the world something's happening in the world outside of them. And when you do character-driven plots, you usually just need the character. Um, when you're writing, where are you? What's the circumstance? How do you sit down? And where and where do you do it? I do. I I write just about everywhere. Right now, I tend to write in coffee shops. I like people moving around me. I like sounds. I like, yeah, it actually doesn't distract me. Quiet distracts me. There's something about everything moving around you that kind of helps me key into what I'm writing and, and remember sensory things because nothing can get too boring or too still. Do you, is there a predictable arc of how you feel going through the writing of a book? from beginning to end. Are there predictable kind of chapters of feeling or experience through that period? Um, definitely, because I love to write fast first drafts, and I do not like to revise. But because I write fast first drafts, I need to revise a lot. I know this about myself. And so I, I do a, a sort of two-prong approach to trying to make myself write slower while also knowing that I'm going to have to rewrite things. Um, Breaking Sky, I rewrote from scratch four times. And yes, and the book was very different each time I rewrote it. I think that can be something that scares away a lot of writers, the having to delete and start with a fresh page, even after you have gotten to the end. 
So I know going in that I'm going to love writing the first draft and then that I'm going to drag my feet into revising. And the thing that I've kind of learned to teach myself is I've learned to to do certain things not well so that I know that I can fix those because the larger the problem I have to fix, the easier the revision. I like to do macro revision as opposed to micro revisions. Line edits are the bane of my existence. So macro edits are plot development changes mm-hmm. or, you know, really big seismic shifts in, in the flow of action? Yes, they're um, restructuring a whole book, you know, uh, maybe making the first scene the 50th page and things like that. Um, I love restructuring. That actually helps a lot. It just, it kind of shakes my brain up and so that I can look at the story in a new way. And I've also started to review revising as though it's layering a book when you start to revise you are basically pulling the seams out of your book and you're going to look down and it's not a book anymore it's a pile of fabric and you have to trust that when you put it back together it's going to be stronger than it was before but there's always that moment where it was like I had a book and now I just have a pile of pages and if you the the more books you write the easier it is to recognize that painful part of the process. Um, And there's also, um, my girlfriend is also a YA author, and we we do, we joke around every once in a while and say, just like, oh, I'm just having a really bad day. I think my whole book fell apart. And I'll say, well, are you you on page 70? And she said, yeah, I'm on page 68. And I said, yeah, well, that's what happens on page 70. (laughs) So there are definitely like just there are repeating uh, phases to book writing so it gets it gets easier so the first draft then is raw material for a book Mm -hmm. is that what you're saying in a way yeah if you look at it like baking it's like making a new recipe you have a whole bunch of ingredients spread out all over the counter everything's messy You can add anything you want, as much as you want. You are the only person who's taste testing it. And you can have fun and and just basically make anything. Once you start to revise, you're trying to make something that's edible for other people. (laughs) You know, maybe not everybody likes 27, you know, uh, cloves of garlic in their food, but I do. You then have no problem with a blank page. Blank pages are not problems for you. Oh, I love blank pages. I think a lot of people put way too much pressure on the first page of a novel. And you really got to just keep going. You know, you just jump in. It's a little bit like when the pool is too cold. You just have to do a cannonball. When you're writing for this age group... How do you think about gender politics, about, I mean, you're writing for people who are becoming sexual. Mm-hmm. So how do you avoid tasty tropes that we have grown attached to? Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. Um, my goal is honesty. People ask me if my books will always have romance in them. And I think the answer is yes, because I fall in love with everything I care about. And I want that for teenage audiences you know chases chase falls in love in breaking sky but she's also in love with her best friend and she's in love with her plane 
And I just think that a lot of times the tropes that come through YA are when we say, okay, well, she's in love with that vampire and that vampire is shiny, you know, and it, and it, it actually takes the sexuality into an unreal place as opposed to a real place. Um, I like, I like the romances to be honest and messy and, um, as far as, you know, gender politics and things, I, I fight for, for representation of LGBTQ characters in all of my books. Uh, it's very important to me as a pansexual, gender fluid person. And it's something that YA is becoming better at, which I am very proud of. When you read, you notice or recognize familiar tropes, uh, formulas. How do you think about expanding the palette of these things? And is there a possibility of a breach in, in, in communication that you worry about with an audience? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is, a, this is part of the diversity discussion in young adult books right now, which is that how do we write books about queer characters that straight characters that straight readers identify with that they get behind and for a very long time the only YA books with queer characters were marketed to queer teenagers they thought the straight kids are not going to want to read this which is patentedly untrue is what we're finding that teenagers want to read romance they want to read love stories and they want to read outside of their own experiences so um, in the YA world we say the teenagers they need mirrors and they need windows so they need to see whatever their representation whatever their identity um, gender or sexuality or race or you know everything they need to see they need to open a book and see themselves in that book so we need books about people like me, gender fluid, pansexual people. We need um, books about people with disabilities and of all different races. But then we also have to understand that these books are for everyone and not just for the character, the readers who identify exactly with the main character. When a book, you finished a book, and it's published, that can be a long, exhausting process from the time you finish a book to the time it comes out. But when it does come out, there's a kind of a flurry of activity and readings, and it's a, it go, you, go, you go in a way from, being, from a private activity to very public. How do you manage that, or how, how, do you, how do you experience that? When you're writing the book, you are the god of the book. I mean, everything is in your control and in your power. And then once that book sells, once it's on the path to coming out through a publisher, you are just one of the people. um, You are on earth. (laughs) You are not the god anymore. And, And that kind of maybe sounds like a bad thing, except I love it. All of a sudden you're like, you know, I hope my books to do, I hope they do well, but... Once the book goes into copy edits and it's on its way, it's, re- it's really like setting a baby bird free, like it's gone. I'm just another one of the readers. That was author Corey McCarthy 
Corey is a 2011 alum from the MFA in Writing for Children and Young Adults program at VCFA. Corey's returning to VCFA this summer as a visiting faculty member for the same program. You can find links to her books on the website at vcfa.edu. This is Art More Than Ever. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>